Welcome to Flute Masters. My name is Matt Gore, and today we'll be talking with special guest, none other than CLC CEO Mike Gore, to get his take on the state of the industry, his perspective on how companies can remain competitive in the changing workforce, and much more. Stay tuned. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. So Mike, it's been an unprecedented two years in the transportation industry. Certainly nothing that we could have anticipated. I'd love to get your take on where we've been, where we are now, and where you think we're going. Interesting question. So I think where, where we were was we had experienced a, a sustained period of, of growth and demand that was fairly stable relative to supply. Then COVID hit and the sky was falling. And for example, uh, manufacturers that had a backlog uh, virtually had it disappear overnight. And, and everyone was kind of circling the wagons and, and I guess uh, bracing for what was to come. Then fast forward three months and, uh, you know, call it the summer because COVID was in March and everybody's business was on fire. And uh, some of the things that caused that were obviously the supply chain disruption that's, that still continues today. And part of that, what that caused was there was an excessive use of trailers and, and even containers to store parts, uh, parts and raw materials on because folks were not getting everything that they needed to assemble their products so that they could then ship them to market. Shortly thereafter that, uh, we started to see cracks in our own industry and uh, where, we, we, where we found that our providers were not able to give us the, uh, the, the materials uh, or, or the equipment and the parts that we needed and continue, uh, that's continued to deteriorate, I think, uh, by virtue of continued increases in cost and uh, the reduction in the fulfillment of orders that we had previously placed. So 2022 appears to be a bit more of the same and we have, we're experiencing shortages in labor, equipment, and well, just about everything. Um, in addition, inflationary pressures are continuing to cause prices to rise um, at an alarming rate and pretty much across the board. Since it appears that this is going to continue for a prolonged period of time, my belief is that folks' behaviors will change and they will adapt. And essentially, uh, one of the things that we have to, I think, be prepared for is by virtue of their adaptation, uh, something akin to a new norm where folks will just do things differently than they had done in the past. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Sure. Well, for example, let's say that, uh, that I'm a manufacturer and I was used to delivering, getting our product to market by use of tractor trailers. And since there is no access to that sort of equipment, do I look at a different mode of transportation? Let's say, you know, using, using a train or, or using smaller trucks and, and with more deliveries and, and less of the, the larger equipment. Um, again, right now, the reality is that that's not a solution either, but 
uh, I, I guess something, for example, looking at customers and saying, this customer that we service now with 20 pieces of equipment is not particularly profitable and we could take those 20 pieces of equipment and we can allocate them someplace else. So essentially that customer ultimately goes away and they start doing business in, in another, another manner with, with a different company. Do you see a change in how people are going to procure their equipment or how they're gonna plan? I do not actually have a good answer for that because right now it's virtually impossible to plan. And I think everyone is kind of grasping at straws trying to figure out just that. How, how do you plan in an environment where, there, where everything is up in the air and there's so much uncertainty? Um, so I, we think about that. We think about that a lot and how things are gonna be different. How will folks order their equipment in the future? Will they, will they be a lot more uh, deliberate and plan a lot more versus being more reactive? And the, 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 the normal answer to that would be, yes, of course they will. However, based on whatever transpires as we come out of this will essentially dictate how, how folks do what they do. So time will tell. I know we already touched on this, but what are some things that folks are doing to manage in this current environment? Yeah, so I think one of the major things that everyone seems to be doing, including us, is allocating resources. So essentially, saying no to a customer is never a good thing. So by virtue of allocating resources, so for example, if someone says that they need five pieces of equipment and we give them two, we've allocated them some equipment rather than saying no. We're staying connected to that customer and they recognize that we're doing the best we can versus just kind of throwing our hands up. Um, another thing I think a lot of folks are doing, and I, as I had mentioned before, is, is looking at their business and looking at their customers and looking at the efficacy of doing business with those customers for the long term. Are the margins good? Are they difficult in terms of the efficiency of, of the operations to support that customer? And I think folks are making decisions about who they want to you know, kind of stay doing business with for the long term. And last but certainly not least, I think everyone needs to be looking at their pricing and, and raising their pricing to be commensurate with the increased costs of, of everything from labor and materials and rents and, and all the things. It, it seems that virtually everything is, has been increased considerably in price. And so by virtue of that happening, if we're not raising our prices, then we're not getting the same economic return that we planned for when we originally uh, started our, our business relationships. You know, it's interesting you say that. You know, one thing that I think I've really noticed with the onset of COVID and, and the continuation of this crunch, if you will, is the complete lack of accountability when it comes to vendors. You know, we've really, you know, we've really found out, you know, who our friends are in this environment and, and, and who they aren't. So, you know, what are your thoughts about that? And where do you think that goes when things start to correct? I, in my career, one thing that I have learned is that when you, you do good things for customers, 
they ha a lot of them remember them, those things. But when you do something bad to a customer, their memories are forever. So I, I think when, when for those who are, have taken that position of, you know, of, of, I guess, no accountability. So, um, sorry, it's the supply chain. Sorry, we have no labor. Sorry. And, and are not, um, you know, more sensitive to the situation and doing their best to, um, to do whatever they can to support their customers, I think in the long run, that'll hurt them. Are there any suggestions you have for the folks watching us today? Well, I would say it's important that you keep your, your service, your servicing of your equipment up and making sure that every piece of equipment that you have is, is ready to be operated um, because there, there, are no, uh, there are no rentals, there are no replacements, there are no substitutes. If you haven't adopted a trailer tracking strategy, I, I, I think you should start thinking about that. You, one needs to look to drive out inefficiencies at every turn. And I think folks need to, to be uh, cognizant of the fact that employees need to be treated a little bit better right now. And, uh, and that goes uh, both from a, a qualitative and a quantitative standpoint. They have to be adequately compensated they, needed, they need to be recognized and appreciated. Thanks, Mike. And with that, we're going to pivot to our next segment, Tomorrow's Workforce, where we discuss the changing needs of the workforce, specifically in the transportation industry and in the wider world. I'd like to focus on a recent article by Time Magazine citing the major shift in the job market. According to the article, in August of this year, a record 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs. On top of that, over 20 million people lost their jobs when COVID hit. Mixed in with all of this is a shortage of 80,000 truck drivers, a number that is projected to go to over 100,000 in 2023. We had people lose their jobs and then millions of them quit on top of that and employers are actually struggling to find talent. What's your take on this? And more specifically, what tips can you share from CLC that might help other organizations? Well, there's no doubt behaviors have most definitely changed and people are much more focused on work-life balance than ever before. And I think the emphasis is probably more on the life balance than the work balance. And so we're, we're seeing things uh, in our industry that we've never seen before where, where truck drivers, for example, are, are working three days and because they're earning more, they, uh, after the third day, they say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take off the next two days and I'll be back next week because I, I've earned what I needed to earn and I don't wanna work the rest of the week. And they recognize that the employers are really not in a position to argue with them because uh, the capacity is so constrained that they need every hand that they can get. So I think, you know, part of the, the resolution to that short term is just to be a lot more flexible and provide a very positive uh, environment and culture so that you can retain the folks that you do have. There's a lot of pirating going on where folks are, are consistently trolling uh, other companies, looking to hire away uh, folks. And so it's imperative that, that companies, in order to retain the people that they have, are, are really going out of their way uh, to, uh, for lack of a better term, you, you know, just do everything they can to keep their employees happy. CLC, uh, interestingly enough, is a 
uh, a partially employee-owned company. And what we've learned over time is as a result of the, 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 the sense of ownership that the, the folks have, have gotten uh, through learning more about the fact that they really are empl uh, employee owners, if you will, uh, has become a very powerful tool uh, relative to both retention and driving performance. So, you know, as it relates to driver attention, retention, on the driver side of things, what do you think we can do as an industry to recruit drivers, given the quality of life and the strain from being away from home for many days at a time? Yeah, truck driving is, is a very, very demanding occupation. And more specifically, the long haul truck drivers um, have a, a pretty rough go of it. Um, the new hours of service regulations uh, have, that have been put in place have helped to protect them a little bit from a standpoint of ensuring that they're not overextending themselves. And again, the main thrust of that was probably less focused on the drivers and more focused on the safety aspect uh, by virtue of drivers that are well rested are having less accidents and, and there are less issues in general. Increasing comp compensation is of course one way to, to, to recruit drivers. And these days it is very customary to be offering signing bonuses to drivers, which they obtain actually over time. So, so the driver can't get hired, get the bonus and then leave and go to somebody else and get another bonus. Another way is to provide good quality equipment and, and, and a great working environment, being focused not only on the productivity of the driver, but also on the, the uh, mental and physical health and well-being and, and their, you know, their connection you know, with, with their family relative to giving them the uh, time off if they have to go to one of their children's functions and things like that. Essentially, you know, kind of just acknowledging them as human beings and acknowledging that they have a, a relatively difficult job to do and that they too need, you know, need a little R&R &R from time to time. Do you look at autonomous vehicles as a potential option to help alleviate some of that shortage? And do you think that's in reasonable reach or quite a long ways off? Yeah, so... The, the autonomous vehicles are absolutely quite a long ways off, and they are all also absolutely the long-term solution to the issue. The current driver population is, is average age of, of the current driver population is approximately 55 years old. Um, with the, and that's going to increase through things such as retirement, health issues, new regulations, drug screening, behavioral changes, uh, re resulting in, in folks just saying, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and, and so the, the, the issue is going to continue to uh, be exacerbated by all of that. The problem that we face, and it's a real problem, is that the autonomous vehicles, I think for all intents and purposes, are at least 10 years out and uh, our current situation is not sustainable. And so that's going to have to be uh, reconciled. And, you know, the, the ways to reconcile that, obviously, first and foremost, is if you throw enough money at it at some level, when, you, when you're willing to pay enough, you're going to get more people. 
In addition to that, they can change some regulations. So currently regulations are that you can't drive a truck until you're 21 years old. So folks that don't want to, col don't want to go to college, they get out of school, uh, high school, and they go find another job and they get entrenched into that industry and, and they're, they're no longer you know, really a candidate. So the ability to recruit folks that don't want to go to college right, at, right out of high school is taken away. So if they can lower that, that age to 17 or 18, um, at least for them to be maybe drivers in training, I think that also would help alleviate some of the stress on the system. And then last but not least, it's just, it's just the overall lifestyle of the drivers. The employers of truck drivers are gonna have to make their lives better so that it's, it's no longer an occupation that nobody's interested in, in getting into. Right. Do you think there's any concern about having that younger demographic out on the road, intra and interstate? Absolutely. There's definitely a concern. And, and, and so how do you address that concern? The drivers become, they start out as trainees and they're trained and they go with other drivers that are, that are veterans and they determine when they're ready for the road. I mean, there's no question that that experience plays a, a big role when you're driving something that's got a gross vehicle weight of 80,000 pounds going down the road at 60 miles an hour. You want somebody that knows what they're doing uh, operating that vehicle. Thank you, Mike. You know, before we wrap up, this is CLC's 30th year in business. There have, to be, there have been a lot of lessons learned along the way in terms of building a team that can be successful. What are your top three tips for anyone who might have started a small business in the last few years and is trying to build that team? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for that. I think first and foremost, take your time in the hiring process and don't settle. Um, early on, I, I, was, I figured we could just hire a body and, and teach them and everything would be good. And, and, and that's definitely not the case. Aptitude is very important. And, and to that end, I think attitude is much more important than necessarily business experience. You can teach the experience, you can teach how to do things, but you can't teach attitude. And, the, uh, and one of the things that, that I came to believe very, uh, uh, very successfully in is these predictive index tools uh, like Myers-Briggs. And what you need to do when you have those done is you have to trust the results and, and follow your instincts. Complement good performance and invest in training. People need, people need to, to know that they're, 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 being, uh, they're doing a good job and that they're purposeful. And, uh, in, and I think last but not least, you need to keep things interesting. Uh, folks get bored. When they get bored, they're subject to being you know, pirated away by someone else. And check in with your folks regularly to make sure that they're happy and, and, and listen, to their, listen to what they have to say and act upon it. So uh, essentially walk the walk. And over time, I, I think, and, and you build a good culture and it does in fact take a great deal of time and a great deal of work. The people have to believe in you. They have to believe in your interest in them and, and, and your ability to, ha to maintain a successful business where they can count on it being there day in and day out. 
And, and for us, you know, that, that really took, you know, well over a decade to establish. You probably wish you had employed some of those tactics when you hired me, right? Well, you know, in your case, it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, your mother told me I had to, so. Well, that explains a lot. Well, Mike, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for making time for us. And for our audience at home and at the office, we appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like more information about any of these topics discussed today, be sure to check out the links in the description below, and we'll see you on the next episode of Fleet Masters. Be well, everyone.